morning. Happy Mother's Day. Tim, um, I'm going to blame this on Tim because he put me up to this. You're welcome. Yeah, but uh, what do you call a mom that can't draw? Silence. Tell, tell me. What do you call a mom that can't draw? Tracy. Get it? Yeah. Man, Tim, this is the last time. Okay, I got, I'll, I'll give you one more. Okay, so what did the digital clock say to his mom? Look, mom, no hands. That was a little better. That was a little better. Okay, let's just pray. Let's stand up. We'll uh, pray, and then let's just worship and forget that ever happened. Thank you. See, Tim? You got one. Okay. Lord, I just thank you for today. I just pray that we can uh, celebrate our moms today and just let this be a special day for them. And uh, Lord, I just pray as we uh, worship to you now, Lord, just, uh, just let us just sing out to you and praise you and worship you and love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
I just thank you again for our mothers, Lord. Just help us to celebrate them today. God, just let our hearts, our minds, our ears be open for what you have for us today. Just help me, give me words to speak clearly. Just thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to finish our series that we've been in called A Mother's Love. And really a mother's love is the kind of love that you don't want to mess with. A love that is... uh, Mothers have this like instinctual thing about them that, uh, you know, as you're hiking, there's this thing like you don't want to run into a mama bear and her cubs for obvious reasons. So moms have this way of like almost this superhuman, supernatural thing of, of that just instinctually comes upon them to protect their children. Things like as, you know, there is, there's, you hear stories of moms that a child becomes trapped underneath a car somehow and they moms just get superhuman. They lift up the car by themselves and hold it with one hand and pull the, pull the child out. And things like there was one story that I read or heard that there was a mom that pulled into her driveway or pulled into something somewhere and it was right on a busy street. And so when she got out of the car, and I'm thinking probably because she didn't put it in park, but um, she... With the car started rolling backwards into this busy street. She's like, my kids are still inside. Like, I got to do something. So she threw herself down behind the car, and the car just kind of rolled up to her like a speed bump. Didn't have enough speed to completely get over it, so it kind of rolled on top of her. But the car stopped and saved her child. And so stories like that. And then there's stories. You read lots and lots of stories about moms taking on mountain lions, taking on pit bulls, taking on sharks to save their child. All the stories I read, all the moms were undefeated in that. All those predators, zero moms, victorious. So you don't mess with your mama, do you? Today we're going to look at another mama. We're going to look at Jochebed. Can anybody tell me whose mom she is? Nobody. Nobody. Wow, this is. You know, I will say that Pastor Grove, he didn't know the answer either. This is Moses' mom. I heard it over here, Moses. But you were here for service, so it's cheating. (laughs) A little bit, just a little bit. But that's Moses' mom. Now, if you uh, don't really believe me and you think I just stand up here and make things up, which I usually don't, but um, actually Exodus 6.20, Numbers 26.59, if you want to actually see that, you can read that it says that it tells us the name of of Moses' mom. Last week, if you remember, we looked at at we left off seeing Jacob having 12 sons and we didn't really talk we didn't talk about this at all but in the Bible we see Jacob's name actually being changed to Israel and these 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel which Israel is in the nation of Israel and remember Rachel who is one of his Jacob's wives and the one that was loved she had two sons she had two sons Joseph and Benjamin and if you know the story of Joseph or don't remember, I'll kind of get you up to speed and tell you that story. So Joseph, because he's the special one and the most loved to, dad gives him this special multicolored coat. And his, whether he intends it or not, he's kind of a little puke to his brothers. His brothers don't like him very well. So one day they're all out being shepherds or doing what they're doing. And they see Joseph with his coat, and so they take him and they throw him into a cistern, and they're going to kill him. But then one of the brothers says, no, let's not. Let's sell him to these guys. So they sell him to these guys into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's this rich ruling person, and there's a lot of power. And so he's in charge of the whole household, but Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of some things. Joseph gets thrown into prison. Again, Joseph finds himself working up the ranks in the prison, but still a prisoner. He gets released eventually through a a different story. And as the story goes, we see Joseph eventually getting elevated to be the second in command over all of Egypt. So there's Pharaoh and then Joseph. Well, there's a famine going on in the land. There's not any food. So Joseph's brothers come to get food. Joseph recognizes them, and there's a whole story with that too. But eventually what happens is Joseph is reunited with his father, and he's reunited with all of his brothers, and all of those families moved to Egypt to live. And all these families 
are eventually become this great nation. The great, this, these are the Israelites, or as the Bible says, Hebrews. And the text tells us that the land was filled with them. The land was filled with Hebrews. So a massive amount of people. Now, as time goes, Joseph dies. All of his brother die, brothers die. There's been generations that have passed. The pharaohs have changed. And the current pharaoh, he has no idea who Joseph was. Doesn't remember him, doesn't know anything about him, and he doesn't really care. But Pharaoh, this Pharaoh, sees all of these Hebrews, and he's fearful of them. Because he's fearful because going, this group of people is so large that they can side with my, the enemies of Egypt, and they may overtake this land. They may overtake Pharaoh. So he's, he's afraid. So he issues the decree for the midwives that help deliver the, the, the babies, the Hebrew babies. He says, when a child is born, if it's a female, if it's a girl, let it live. If it's a male, you need to kill it. Well, midwives aren't going to do that. So they, they, if it's a male child, they, they let it live. And the Pharaoh's like, what's going on here? And, and they go, well, you know, these Hebrew women are a little tougher than those Egyptian women. And they give birth by the time we arrive. So there's nothing we can do. So Pharaoh goes, okay, fine. I've got another decree I can, I can say. And so this is where we're going to pick up this story in history. We're going to look at Exodus 1, starting verse 22, and we're going to go into chapter 2. And i got to say, sorry, Grove, I already asked that question, so you can't come in here and try to get it right. <laughs> so let's look at verse 22. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw this was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. Her sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw that the basket, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, she, yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. So faced with this impossible situation, of Jochebed's in this impossible situation. She has two choices. Try to hide my baby, save it, or follow Pharaoh's decree and throw this baby in the Nile. And what we see is I think Jochebed is being resourceful. And I think to understand this, we need to look at this word resourceful a little closer. So look at this resourceful. To be resourceful is to be able to act effectively or imaginatively, especially in difficult situations. Pharaoh created a kind of a difficult situation for moms to be in, didn't he? Create a difficult situation for the midwives. Obviously, it created a difficult situation for the babies, because a difficult situation for the families, for all the, the Hebrews. He, he created this difficult situation. So they're trying to be resourceful. They need to be resourceful. Let's look at this definition a little bit more. Definition of resourceful is the ability to overcome problems or to make do with what is available to create a solution. Jochebed, I think she was, if we look at this, like this is a no-win situation, isn't it? If she turns her son over to Pharaoh and obeys what the Pharaoh says to do, she's, her child's going to be killed, be thrown in the Nile. If she hides, so she hides him, and babies grow, and babies cry, and babies start to move around, it's going to be pretty hard to save, to, to hide him. And so she, he's going to be discovered, and then, again, thrown into the Nile. So she has to become resourceful and come up with this plan. So she creates, has a basket, gets some 
tar and pitch and, and makes this waterproof basket so it'll float in the Nile. And she places this baby in the Nile and I'm thinking, probably hoping that, she, that it'll survive, trusting it in God's hands, leaving it in God's hands. But either way, this is a no-win situation. Either way, she's going to lose her son that she has. She's going to lose him. Like either She doesn't have a win. There's no win choice in this. But remember that TV show, MacGyver? <laughs> I guess you remember that, yeah. And, and, and Peach is like, every week he faced this situation. Like every week he thought for sure he was going to die. Like every week, like he faced like, there is, it's a no-win situation. No way is he going to get out of it this week. Facing certain death. So he reaches in his pocket, pulls out some keys, pulls out a paper clip, maybe a pencil, a pocket knife, a compass. And of course he has that mullet too. Remember the mullet? He had this mullet. Maybe a knife and just finds this stuff laying around on the floor wherever he's at. And each week he's just resourceful and he creates something to overcome this situation to free himself. You know, taking junk, like I said, a paper clip, a pencil, he'll find a car battery, and then there'll be this, like, car that's, like, cut in half, but somehow he finds it, puts all this stuff together, and he creates this welder, welds the car together, miraculously, like, in five minutes, and then he starts the car, and he speeds off, and he just, he, he, gets, it free, he gets free, he's safe. But then he also, because the bad guys are going to come back to finish him off, so he's going to take care of the bad guys. So, like, he'll find a, there'll be a propane tank there, and then there'll be a light bulbs, a string, and, and maybe a balloon or something. He creates some contraption so that when they drive up, like, boom, the bomb goes off, and he takes care of the bad guys too. Just being resourceful, using whatever is available to him to overcome this problem and create a solution. And mom's... Like, you know how to be resourceful, don't you? You can solve a lot of problems. Solve a lot of problems. Remember that diaper bag that you have? You're armed with your diaper bag. You're armed with your diaper wipes, this booger sniffer. And something about this, ma this diaper bag is kind of like ma it's a magical diaper bag, isn't it? Like, you can't ever leave home without it. It's everything you need is in it to be resourceful, to solve any problem that comes your way. And I don't think that I would be exaggerating when I said that we all have faced or will be at some time face some no-win situations in life. Just, they don't seem like there's a way to win in this. Right now, it, it's, not, it's not that big a deal. It's not something really in the church, but it's not in the church at all. But in my other job, like, there's some stuff that, like, I, there's some no-win situations that I have. Like, if I do this, then this happens. If I do this, then this happens. And Whatever is going to cost me a lot of time. It's going to cost me a lot of effort. Or maybe it could cost me some money. Like just lots of things. Then there's consequences for either decision that I make. Kind of a no-win situation. That I, at least I think it is. The key word is I. Situations where you wonder, what could God do with that? Situations that might make us even just question God. Life circumstances are just hard to explain and just understand. Like, why is this happening? Like this funeral on Friday. That was an, that's an unexplainable situation. No-win situations like Jacobet faced. Like I think we face in life. Situations that make us wonder what good could possibly come of this. But there's this saying that we know. You guys remember the song. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Now, do you know who has an infinite amount of resources? Infinite amount of resourcefulness? Someone that always, always makes lemonade out of lemons. Let me tell you who that is. Romans 8, 28. That's why we can be sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. God is working for good in every situation. Because God has limitless resourcefulness. We know bad things happen in this life. Bad things. We lose our jobs. There's disasters. There's illnesses. There's deaths. There's any kinds of devastating things in our lives that we can bring up, that we can think, that we've experienced. But is that God's fault? Is that God's fault? That's, that's a fair question, right? Like, that's a fair question because if God has a plan for my life, 
then can't we say that that was just part of God's plan? But I'm going to argue that if everything were God's fault, then we would just be puppets. That if God has every detail in our life planned out, then really what's our point of faith? What's our point of really any of this? What's our point of even being here today? God has it all planned out. It's all part of our life. What's the point of, of this, this Bible that we read? Because wouldn't God just be this little puppet master up here with all these little controls just controlling our lives? Let's look at James 1, 13 through 17. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after desires was conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Because there is evil in this world. It started with Adam and Eve. Serpent came down. The evil one came down. He took the form of a serpent, deceived them. Sin entered the world, and we've been forever dealing with that. But instead of blaming God, maybe we should see this verse in Romans, see this verse in James, and see that in every situation, God can work this for the good. He is working for the good. That maybe when tragedy strikes, instead of blaming God, saying it's God's fault that we should cleave to God. Cleaving to him, allowing him to work in our lives for good. Making lemonade out of those lemons. Because really when we blame God, doesn't it kind of show that we don't trust him? We don't trust him that he's a good God. Now I'm going to give you some words of, a, of, a, of um, they're not my words, but another way I think it explains this really good. This is a theologian that says this, these words. These are those smart guys that know a lot more than any of us, especially me. These are the words of a theologian. It says, God is intimately involved in our lives, not by working out a plan that is fixed in every detail. Saying he's not that puppet master that has every little thing planned out for our lives but by responding creatively to everything that happens. God has certain basic objectives for us, but in order to reach them, he interacts with events and decisions for which he is not responsible. Pain and suffering do not come to us because God planned it that way. There's nothing inherently good about these experiences. But once they are here, God can bring good out of them and use them to accomplish something positive. So look at this way. When we're dealt that basket full of lemons, wouldn't it be easier to endure those lemons by us having absolute confidence that God, it wasn't God that caused that. It wasn't God's fault. And also know that God is working hard. He's working hard on our behalf for good. Knowing that pain and suffering, they will come to us because God planned it that way. However, knowing that God use, can use them that he, can, he is going to be there when those happen. And he's going to be there to accomplish something good. He'll accomplish something good for it. But we have to choose to trust him. We have to choose to put our faith in him. Now those pain and sufferings, they're here. We can know that God can use that to create something good. The Bible actually is full of lots of examples of this, these bad things. It's full of them. The story of, we mentioned Joseph in his story. In fact, actually, you know, that was good. He caused it for good. But the, his brothers still didn't trust him, still didn't trust God. So Jacob, Israel, he dies. And his brothers are like fearful that, okay, now Jacob's going to take his revenge on us. He's still holding a grudge for what we've done. Keyword is there, what they have done. It's not what God did. It's what he, they have done to, to Joseph. And Joseph speaks to all of them. This is Genesis 50, 20. He says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
story of Pharaoh. This, the Pharaoh put this law into effect. It's a horrible law. There's nothing good about that law. But again, that's evil and Pharaoh that's doing that. That's the Pharaoh doing that. That's not God doing that. But God still uses this to accomplish some good. Moses is found by the daughter of the Pharaoh. <clears throat> and Moses' mom actually still gets to raise her child till he's weaned. And the scripture says she's even paid for it. Yes, she has to give Moses up eventually. She does. But what she does is she knows Moses is saved. And there's actually more to this story. We're going to get to that a little bit. But in the story, in these stories, in our stories of our own lives, God makes lemonade out of lemons. The mom of Moses, yes, she was being resourceful, using what she had, but ultimately it was God working in their lives. God's resourcefulness. God working in their lives to use that resourcefulness, that unlimited resourcefulness, to make something positive come out of this awful situation. Just like God's still resourceful in our lives. God can make something positive out of no win situation. We put our faith, put our trust in him. I'm going to tell you a story about a testimony that I read or I listened to this week. This testimony is a person, some of you may know who she is. She's a pretty famous person. Um, I'll tell you her name in a few minutes. But this person said that she started to endure sexual abuse by her father at a very early age when her father decided that she was mature enough or old enough. She estimates that she says that she was raped by her father over 200 times and countless other abuses until she was 18, and then she left. She was able to move out. That, I can't, that's not something God planned for her life. This girl was scared. Constant fear. Shamed. Shamed to bring friends over because she was shamed and worried that what her father would do to them. She even told a story of how father even just her friends just wondering why would this happen to me why is this happening to me but then God stepped in and he made something positive happen and these are the words that this woman said she said she gave God her pain and let him turn it into gain she gave God her mess God did something positive with us in this woman's life that had the influence on, even on my own personal life. This woman has had some influence in my life because she's written books and she's probably affected thousands, if not millions of people, maybe including some of you in your lives. This one, you hit it. Well, you said it because you were here first, but this is Joyce Meyer. If you didn't know her, like she's, she's got her own ministry named after her name, Joyce Meyer Ministries. But she wrote the book, Battlefield of the Mind, which is, that's the book I read. And she's got this worldwide ministry. And this is what, these are the words that she says of why she, what this is about. What her, if she put it in a sentence, this is what it is. She wants everyone to know how good God is. God not making those things happen to her. God not making it happen to us, but God being there. Being there with us when this happens. Being God and, and us knowing God that he's good and we're going to put our faith in him we're going to put our trust in him and we're knowing that God will turn those lemons into lemonade because God is good all the time, all the time that's right God is good God is good and God something about God is like he knows that pain and suffering he knows what we've experienced that God being good and God loving us but God had a problem do you know what that problem is? The problem is us. The problem is us because we've got this sin issue. God is really put in this no-win situation. Because he's good, so he, he needs, but he, yet, he loves us, so he wants us to have that relationship with us. And him, like God's not going to leave us in this situation. He's not going to leave us in this condition. And so he really only had one choice. It was a no-win situation. His choice was to have his own son, Jesus, come to earth. His own son, Jesus, to come and walk here with us to experience all those bad things, all those lemons that we experience. But yet, Jesus, he did it without sin. Jesus had friends die. Jesus watched friends suffer. Jesus watched his own friends, his own closest friends, 
turn their back on him, deny him. Jesus watched one of the people that he poured his life into sell him out. Jesus was falsely accused. Jesus was murdered on a cross for something he didn't do. He was innocent. Why? Because God was in that no-win situation. And God being resourceful, sending his son, sending his son Jesus to die for us to solve our sin problem. Now, losing a child is something I can't even imagine. I haven't experienced it. But the suffering, the heartbreak. I know a lot of you have experienced that. And you wonder, how could God make something positive of that? Honestly, I don't have the answer for that. Katrina, I know you're here, and I know it's probably difficult, but you'll, you'll attest for this. Like, Friday was hard, but there's some positive. There's good coming out of this, isn't there? We can experience it. We, I had no idea, but we're seeing good come out of that. And I also know that God's experienced it too. I also know and trust and believe that God can take that pain and he can do something positive with it. But we need to come to him. We need, as Joyce Meyer says, and and give God the mess. Because you know what? God knows what to do with it. There's an old TV show. I don't know the name of it. I couldn't find the name of it, but it's, it was a, an artist would give a child a piece of charcoal, a piece of chalk. And he'd, he'd say, you know, just go ahead and scribble on this piece of paper. And then the child would give the, the, the artist the, the piece of char- chalk or charcoal back. And the artist would ask, what do you want me to draw? So, of course, a kid, they'd say, you know, horses and clowns and balloons and a circus and just things like that, like kid things. So the artist would take this scribble create this beautiful picture out of this scribble. I thought, that's what God does in our lives. If we get, we got to give him back the piece of charcoal. Like we can't just do it ourselves. But God's resourcefulness is, it's limitless. His created genius is limitless. God, through his grace and mercy, can bring a new picture to life for us in our lives. One that shows God's love for us and his will for us. Now the enemy and all the influences he has in our lives to create sin in our lives, to create chaos in our lives, to create all kinds of things. He does his best to continue to create this mess in our lives. Kind of like that child scribble on a piece of paper. It's a mess. Like I know moms, like you have some of these saved childhood scribbles and you swear your child is the next Picasso, but they're not. They really are just a scribble on a piece of paper. But what we can do is that, that God, there's nothing that God can't transform into a masterpiece. A masterpiece that glorifies God. Is there a no-win situation that you're facing right now? There's, there's, there's no win in this. Maybe you feel like maybe my life right now is just a scribble. It's just this mess on a piece of paper. But are you ready to hand that chalk back over to the master? Ready to hand that back to God? Now, something about this story I can't help but to wonder is, did Jacob know Pharaoh's daughter frequently visited that spot in the Nile? Did she know that Pharaoh's daughter would find that baby? Did Jacob have her daughter go and watch just to be sure that Pharaoh's daughter came that day? I don't know. The text doesn't tell us. We don't know the answers to those questions. Either way, Jochebed was resourceful with what she had. But God was resourceful also. He was more resourceful. Because Pharaoh's daughter, I mean, she's an Egyptian. And if you, that text has said, like, she took one look at this baby. She knew it was a Hebrew baby. She had to know about her father's law. She could have told her servants, just dump that baby in the river. Just dump him in the Nile. Or she could have took him home to her dad and said, Dad, look, and her dad looked and said, "Uh, No, that's a Hebrew baby. Get rid of it. But either way, Jochebed, like, she placed her faith in God, put her trust in God. I'm sure she placed it in, like, God, it's, it's in your hands now. Relying not on her own resourcefulness, but really saying, God, I'm going to rely on your resourcefulness. I'm going to rely on Yahweh. 
I'm going to rely on Yahweh's resourcefulness. And there's a relationship here also. I don't know if you saw that. God works with us, guiding us, drawing this masterpiece with us. We're not doing it alone. Again, God is, is, is resourceful because he's, he gives us a way to do this with us. Like, he gives us a way to pray, to pray to him, to talk to him. We trust him. We read his words and we obey his words. And where do we read his words? We read his words in here, in the Bible. These are God's words. And we know his words. We memorize his words. Because we're not doing this alone. And he's not the puppet master just controlling it all. Controlling all this thing we call life. This thing we call life just in its temporary here on earth. We can't avoid bad things. We try to protect ourselves. Moms, that's what you're good at. That's why those stories I read at the beginning, like, like you try to protect your children. You try to protect your families, our friends. But there's sin and there's evil and there's just, there's just bad things in this world we live in. But what if we stop blaming God? Jacobet didn't blame God. I don't read that at all. I don't see it at all where she blamed God. She was like most moms, I think, and used what she had to try to make lemonade out of lemons. But what if in our life we recognize that God's present in those bad things, that God is waiting for us to just put our faith in him, put our trust in him, knowing that he's going to make lemonade out of these lemons. I should probably tell the rest of the story about Moses. As a lot of you probably know the story, but Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. Like he was educated by the Egyptians. He was well taken care of. I mean, Pharaoh's the richest dude around. Like, so he's, he's taken care of. Now, Moses, he might have known he was, was, a, was a Hebrew, and he saw an uh, Egyptian and a Hebrew fighting. And Moses stepped in, and the, the, the Egyptian died. So Moses flees Egypt lives for a period of time away from Egypt, but God calls him back. Calls him back and says, uh, you need to go to Pharaoh <coughs> and um, have the Hebrews be released out of slavery. So Moses goes unreluctantly. Not with, really, Moses didn't have any resourcefulness in this matter at all, really. But God had a lot of resourcefulness. And through God's resourcefulness, <coughs> we see Moses in this story lead the entire nation of Israel out of the slavery of the Egyptians, leading them to freedom. But our story here, it's not done either. This story of our life, just like Moses' story wasn't done when his mom displayed only what a mother's love could do, faced with a no-win situation, using her resourcefulness, put Moses in that river. And God then using his resourcefulness to create this masterpiece in life of her son Moses. So what masterpiece does God have for your life? Are you ready to let God use that resourcefulness? Are you going to trust him? Put your faith in him? Allow God to guide you along this path of life. Creating this masterpiece of your life together with him. Lord, I just give you this story of a mom loving her child faced with a situation that she didn't see any win in this situation. But yet she, she, she used her resourcefulness but ultimately relied on your resourcefulness and placed her faith and her trust in you. And we see this wonderful thing that happened in Moses' life and how there was this masterpiece that was created. Lord, and we have that same with you right now. We can put that, our trust and our faith in you Lord, I don't know what's going on in everybody's lives, but if I'm sure your lives are like mine, like life's a mess sometimes. A lot of times life's a mess. Things happen we, we don't understand. It's like a no win. I don't see how there's a win in this, God. It feels like we are just giving up just a basket full of lemons, maybe even rotten lemons. But Lord, you can make lemonade out of that. Lord, you can take that and and you are there, you are present, and you make, you can do something good with that, Lord. 
but we just have to be willing to trust you and put our faith in you. Maybe there's someone in this room right now that you've never even put your faith in Jesus, put your faith in God. And you're listening to this and you're going, you know what, my life is, it's, it's a mess. And you want to be like Joyce Meyer and many of us in this room and take that mess to God and receive that forgiveness for our sins. Receive what Jesus did. Receive what God gave his son to do for us when God was faced with this no-win situation to bring that relationship back to him so that he can work in our lives, work with us to, to, to make that masterpiece. So if that's you, do you want to just raise your hand and maybe just look at me and say, yes, I'm Jesus, I'm, I'm giving it to you. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, just let us to continue now, Lord, just to worship you. And just, just praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. existed from the beginning whom we have heard and seen we saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands he is the word of life 
this one who is life itself was revealed to us. And we have seen him, and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So we're doing receive communion today. We're going to remember that Jesus was here with us. He was with his Father. He's known us forever. He knows us. He died for us. He loves us so much and that God is good, that his Father is good. So I'm going to pray and let's receive communion together. And then let's, after you see that, let's stand and worship again and just praise God. Lord, I just thank you for your son. I thank you for your love. Thank you that you're a good God. Lord, I, I thank you that even in despite of all of the evil and the bad in this world, Lord, that you are there with us. Lord, and we just receive communion today just remembering you. Just remember your son. Remember that you are always there. You have always have been and you always will be. In your name we pray. Amen.
few announcements. Thursday, if you have a child to go to camp, is the last day to sign up and to pay. So if you want to see Bennett about that. And then if you just are dying to, on Sundays, greet people, because you're just, you don't get enough people time during the week, we have a job for you. So if you want to see Teresa on Sundays, we need some volunteers to be greeters. And then the pantry is kind of low. So if you have some donations or you want to want to kind of stock that up, we're here during the week and you can drop those off usually Wednesday through Friday about 1 to 3 is the best time. And then the night of worship, our next night of worship will be on the 26th, Thursday night from 6 to 7. It's a great time. We hope all of you can come. And then lastly, the, it's that time of year and we do the, the baby bottles for the bee. And uh, actually, they're trying to move to more online stuff. So if you have the ability to do that online, that's what they would like to do. 